Today's guest is Ashley Kent. Ashley is the founder and CEO of ClearStart, a creative strategy agency designed specifically for early stage companies looking to grow through strategic targeted marketing strategies that work in parallel with overall company goals and visions. For those of you that don't know Ashley, Ashley helped launch our firm Excelsior Capital in our initial marketing efforts and helped us build our marketing strategy from the ground up. In this episode, we dive into quality over quantity, the importance of being authentic, and growing through your growing pains. Enjoy. Welcome to the Ever Upward Podcast, where the extraordinary is the norm and the uncommon path is our guide. I'm your host, Jared Arnold, and in each episode, I speak with experts in business, investing, and health, exploring common ideas tailored for the uncommon individual. Here we believe that the ordinary is for everyone, but the extraordinary is for those who dare to embrace it. Join us as we unravel insights, share stories, and unlock the secrets that propel us ever upward in the pursuit of a life well lived. This is the Ever Upward Podcast. Ashley Kent, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I've been trying to uh, trying to do more of a personal introduction with those that I already have a relationship with. Um, for those of you that don't know, we worked with Ashley on the Excelsior side of things um, for for a really long time, probably about four years in total. Uh, I've been with the company five years, and I, I think we've almost worked together the entire time um, that I've been there. Um, and so I was trying to think about something that I always appreciated about Ashley. And one of the things that popped into my head is how much you care, uh, and how much I always related to you on that, how much you wanted to see Excelsior succeed. What, where does that come from for you? I think that's a really great question. It's something that we've actually honed into on is one of our key differentiators with Clear Start. It's that we're really obsessed with our client success. We were going through our values of like what actually mattered and, you know, beyond kind of the company and revenue and everything, which, which is also super important. I think that has been the number one thing that we've focused on. And I think it's why we've been 100% you know, referrals, <laughs> because people see that dedication to the companies. I'm always referring, you know, to our companies as we our, you know, using those that type of terminology where it comes from. I don't know, I'm just an intense person. And I really care about people. And I always want to work with, you know, really great people. I got a dog and she's, you know, deciding to chime in right now. She's That's how we know us. this is real. This is real. You I know? This is I, real, unedited, raw, and Ashley cares. I care. I care. Like I do things all the way in. I go and get a puppy randomly. Um, but I worked with a startup. I got in really, really early and, you know, became obsessed with that company, became obsessed with the success of that and really went to every single limit that I possibly could to try and make that successful. And I've just carried that into every single company that we work with and want to do whatever I can. So whether it's even in marketing or, you know, with a lot of my companies, I'm making introductions to investors if they're raising capital, um, they're hiring a new salesperson. And I know people in my network, I can send them to, I'm going to do that because I want to see these companies succeed. So long-winded answer. I think I'm just kind of intense personally, um, <laughs> but I've actually hired a lot of people that work with us that are equally as intense um, and care deeply. And I think that really is what makes us stand out. And I think a lot of our clients would also agree with that too. I yeah. Hearing. I mean, it's like I said, it's something that I always related to you with, um, you know, even before the podcast, but specifically with the podcast, right? Like you're putting yourself out there and you're dealing with maybe a, a sense of imposter syndrome. And I'm like, well, I'm not the smartest guy in the room who wants to listen to me or, you know, I work hard, but a lot of people work hard, but where can I separate myself, you know, amongst the pack, whether it's at work or whatever it might be, you know, I always feel like I, I'm up there, the care level, you know, like that's just, that's just who I am. I care. And I always related to you on that, on that fact, this is a, maybe a little bit different direction than I thought the podcast was going to go to start out with, but you brought up a good point there of hiring others that care a lot as well. I've been super lucky on the Excelsior side, both with colleagues that I work with and then third parties such as yourself that care. But one of the things that I've heard from others that is really difficult in the business world is finding employees, colleagues 
those that care about your business as much as you do, or those that care about your clients as much as you do. What's that been like for you? Do you guys hire for culture and, and train for skill or how do you go about looking at that? Hiring has been the wildest ride to date <laughs> um, here at ClearStart. I really didn't know what my plan was going to be for it. I actually, early on with working with Brian, even y'all were one of my very first clients and it was just me. I did not have a team. Y'all worked you know, individually with me. And I always said, I think I'm just going to have a handful of clients. I'll probably never hire anyone. Um, and my brother said to me at one point, he was like, if you're going to hire someone, you know, are you going to do 2X or are you going to do 10X? And that's always stuck with me as, you know, one of my barometers for hiring. And, you know, I hired my first employee. Her name's Meredith. Y'all worked with her very closely. She's freaking phenomenal. She's still with me. Um, and we did 10X. Yeah. In that first year. But it, once again, she was fresh out of college. Uh, yeah, she had a marketing degree. But, you know, what does that mean? Um, so 100% I hire for culture. I have made the mistake in the past, though, of hiring for skills and expertise, and every single one of those people have not stuck around. Um, mm -hmm. I saw that really quickly. Those are the people that wanted to show up, do their job, check the boxes. Uh, they never went above and beyond. Um, and that 100% is just not a part of our culture at ClearStart. And, you know, they're great people, you know, all the things, it just wasn't the right fit. And like I said, we're pretty intense <laughs> over here. We, we care hard and, you know, we just always are going the extra mile. And so if you're just showing up to, you know, check your boxes, I got my work done and, you know, I'm going to sign off for the day. That's just not who we are. And so I've learned that 100%. I think that most everyone can be trained. Um, I will say something that I've experienced here Recently, the more that we've grown, you know, we could be really scrappy and kind of like, watch me. <laughs> and, you know, that was my training, which is the worst training ever. Um, but they were scrappy, too, and kind of, you know, just picked up over time. Uh, but I've, as I've found that we've been growing and adding to our team, that can only work for so long. You really do need to have more scalable systems, you know, documented systems, SOPs, things like that to some extent extent that are still flexible, but, you know, people need some guardrails, you know, as you're growing, because you can't just watch me anymore. I'm not leading clients anymore. You can't operate in that way. So I am starting to scale a lot of my systems going forward. But, you know, at the end of the day, I make sure that people are bought into our vision with ClearStart. Actually, when I'm mm -hmm. interviewing people, we don't talk as much about the job role it itself. I spend so much time talking about the culture of ClearStart what we believe in our types of clients and get them bought into that first and then fully believe that you can kind of train people over time. Yeah. And, I mean, we don't, we haven't had to deal with it so much on the Excelsior side of things lately in terms of hiring. We've been very lucky and, and had a sticky employee base um, who are phenomenal, but I always appreciated that uh, on the other side of things when I was interviewing, right. Going in and having a conversation and knowing that, Hey, I can connect with this person and, can see myself having a similar vision, right? I think that's incredibly important. And then you're more willing to buy in and and provide that level of care that we talked about. And I can certainly provide the reference check on ClearStart that the team, at least the ones that I've met, we've not worked together for a little bit of time now, but the ones that I've met, they all care just as much as you. And you've certainly built an incredible culture there. Um, and it stands out for sure. Yeah, and I think, like you said, the stickiness, um, when you find really good employees, don't let them go. Uh, that's one of the things I've definitely invested in. I mean, one of my goals for the year is, you know, sorry about the dog. Um, one of my goals for the year is actually to, you know, keep employees around and make them happy. It was to be a place people want to work. Um, so I'm just investing in a lot of things to keep people really excited about the growth of their own careers. Uh, figuring out ways that, you know, they can continue to get more education, they can continue growing. And uh, that's just been something that I've realized is really important. We've not had, of all the employees that I love, no one's left. Um, you know, if anyone's left, they're started because they were a bad fit. And so, you know, def definitely believe in kind of having that stickiness there and keeping the right people. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's a good caveat too that just because someone wasn't a good fit 
you know, doesn't mean that they weren't a great employee or whatever. It's just that they weren't a fit, you know, and that's something that gets lost sometimes, um, you know, when, when folks leave companies and, and on the other side of things too, right? Like maybe they're leaving because they know it's not a good fit for them. Um, and I think that gets lost, but so we kind of dove right into some pretty you know, intense topics, which maybe wasn't the route that, like I said, that I thought I was going to go. I told you I'm intense. So I like, I, that's how I go. <laughs> hey, I'm the same way, which, you know, we always related on that. Uh, I think we both worked really hard and, and still do. And, um, but let's take a step back. Clear start. What is it? How did you get here? Clear start is a small boutique marketing strategy implementation agency. Uh, funny to even call myself an agency. I really started off as a freelancer that needed an LLC to, you know, actually get paid. Um, And so that's why I had a name and everything there. But, you know, I started off, I'd been working for a health tech startup in Nashville. I was the first hire. I knew nothing. I had a degree in kinesiology, um, decided not to be a PT, uh, had never taken a single business class uh, while I was in college and, you know, decided, I don't know, it was like third quarter senior year, I was not going to turn in my PT applications. And so I had no idea what I was going to do. Left that, um, got hired by this startup in Nashville. I don't think that the CEO even read my resume, but I think he hired for culture, hired, he saw that I was an incredibly hard worker. I came in and did literally everything within that company. I learned how to run all of our accounting, uh, did all of our VC introductions became really, really connected to the entrepreneurial space in Nashville, working with that company. And also they, you know, it was a VC backed company from San Francisco VCs. It was actually by a lot of the guys that started the Blackstone group. Um, And so I got to learn from some really smart people. Uh, If anyone knows the Blackstone group, you don't get much smarter than that. (laughs) They really started everything in real estate. So it was really cool to be able to learn from them. The company itself did not make it, but I just learned a ton, became super, super connected in Nashville. And when we saw the writing on the wall, I actually uh, was interviewing for a lot of like junior marketing level positions and I kept making it to the final two. And then, because everyone was like, we love you, Ashley. And I kept making it to the final two and then I would not get it because they would hire for skills and they'd go for the person that, you know, knew a little bit more. And so then, you know, I I bet they regret it now though. I sure don't because I would only be making, you know, like <laughs> entry level salary. Um, and I actually spoke to one of the companies that I really wanted. Uh, they exited a couple years ago and they're now doing their own consulting stuff. And it was a super full circle moment. Um, spoke to their CEO and director of marketing who's, you know, anyways, but it was really cool to kind of see like how far we've both come um, from there. Yeah. But ended up creating my own company because no one would hire me uh, at the end of the day. That's really where it came down to. And I needed to make income. I knew I was connected, figured that had to hold some weight and learned really early on with my company that retainers were the way I wanted to go. I did a couple projects. And as you noted, I care a lot. It was really weird to me to like help a company and then just say, all right, bye. Good luck. Um, And, you know, recurring revenue is also a great thing. So I... Started getting in really deep. Excelsior was actually one of my very first clients that I had. It was my first introduction to the investment space. So, you know, from here, we've grown a lot. And, you know, I've been doing it now. It'll be six years in March. Um, We now have a team of six about to bring on our seventh full-time person. I have a few contractors that help me with various things. Uh, But, you know, we have 14 regular clients that we work with. We've grown a ton. Um, I've learned a lot. And now, you know, I'm really reshaping our model. Everyone keeps asking, how big do you want to grow this thing? Um, and I love that you started off with that I care, <laughs> because what that's the thing that I've really hammered home to and realized. And I was like, if I get too big, you can't care as much. Um, you can't be as close. And I think that's one of the things that makes me excited about what I do. I get to actually talk to people and I get to still be a part of these companies. And if you get too big, you lose that magic. So I've really decided like, we are going to keep this small. We're going to work with a select number of clients. I don't really care to grow my team all that much more to our point about hiring. It is a pain. Um, so I really want to invest in the humans that I currently have. Uh, and, and, you know, I have, 
two more key hires that I'm looking to do over this year, but really kind of calling it quits there. And we work really closely with our clients. We're, you know, coming in, serving as a CMO, sitting there with the C-suite, listening to what's happening within the companies and then actually implementing it. So, you know, mm-hmm. we do all the marketing things. We have all the capabilities in-house. I've invested a lot in our teams. We have creative directors, graphic designers, developers, and then also my generalists that are freaking rock stars. And they do everything from your social media to email marketing to podcasts, just like this. Um, running it for companies that don't have a budget to have that in-house marketing. Um, but it feels like it with the way that we work. So long-winded answer to clear start my journey uh, where we are and yeah I'm actually really happy to announce for this quarter we're actually hitting a wait list um, just signed our last Let's client go. for the quarter um, on Friday which I'm just super pumped about because it just means we can just keep focusing and going inward with the clients we have um, and go from there I, I like keeping it small right now yeah, and I think that's a good point. I on the first episode of the podcast, I sat down with Trey Fitch, who's an owner of a Nashville gym, and we talked about work-life balance and setting boundaries. What we didn't get into is setting boundaries within the business. Mm-hmm. And again, another topic that I wasn't planning on discussing maybe on on this episode, but maybe maybe talk about how you realized, you know, what your goal was for clear start and how you're able to implement those boundaries to where you're like, you know, Hey, we're going to, we're going to make a wait list here, right? Like we're not going to just continuously add clients on because we can, we're going to continue to focus on and care and, and provide a level of passion uh, to the clients that we have or to, you know, put out the resources that we think we have currently. Maybe talk about that for just a moment. Well, it's great because it's super fresh on my mind because I just came to the conclusion like a month ago. <laughs> so Let's go. Um, everyone, even my team, like they've all been asking me for a year, like, where are we going with this? What are we going to do? And, you know, there's a part of me, I'm super eager and ambitious. And, you know, so I'm like, okay, like how far can we take this? How much can we keep going? And we do, we keep getting referrals. We keep getting, you know, people that come in, but As you say, I think work-life balance is also incredibly important. I have two kids. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And I also have a husband who is a partner at a law firm, works crazy hours as well. And, you know, realized over this last year how little I see my children. Honestly, they're in daycare from, you know, sometimes 7.30 to 5.30. It's a a long day. Uh, And this is kind of the prime of their life. And I started noticing as I kept adding more team members, as I kept adding more clients, I was just so involved in the company and I just had no mental bandwidth for my family. Um, And so that's something that I kind of woke up to a little bit and I I wasn't really happy with, you know, as we kept growing, it was just more frustrations than like having fun (laughs) with what we were doing. And I wasn't giving my family the attention they deserve. so that's where I just made the decision. I was like, I think we can actually be like really successful if we keep it smaller. I think that's where our magic is. I think if we, all I've, I've always said, you know, I don't want to be like your traditional marketing agency because I think they're doing it wrong. I think it is all about how much can we squeeze out of clients? How much can we upsell them? It's not about developing those relationships to really see the company succeed. And, you know, so I, I don't want to be that big one that's taking on, they have hundreds of clients, like, I don't want to ever have more than 20. And even that seems like a lot to me right now. Um, So I'd say it's a combination of not wanting additional headaches within the company, both on the client and team side. The more people you add in there, there's just more to manage and more to have to deal with. And I recognize that. Also recognize that our service would change if we kept growing. And it's not going to be, I think, the magic of what makes us clear start. And then just Mm -hmm. personally, um, recognizing like, what do I want out of my life? You know, my, my daughter's about to start elementary school. Like I actually have a good right now. They're in day daycare all the time, but like elementary school starts, they have a lot more activities. There's, you know, summertime, they're not in school. They're going to, you know, have to be in camps and all they know is daycare and school. And I kind of want them to know a life outside of that. Um, eventually. Yeah. That's crazy that she's about to start. I mean, I guess she was being born when we met. That's how long we've known each other. Uh, yeah, which is pretty wild. 
I was actually pregnant with her when I launched Clear Start, um, which is pretty wild. So yeah, well, to hear you say that you know you don't want to go over twenty as being one of your first, or I guess employed by one of your first. Uh, you know, that, that sounds crazy to me as well. Um, but man, that's awesome. I love to both, you know, working with you during that time period and seeing your growth and success, um, what I would kind of say internally, but, and then also now, you know, watching you guys grow externally, uh, it's been incredible to watch. Um, let's continue on this path for just a minute and then we can get into the marketing side of things. So you mentioned that, your employees, I guess, within the last year have been asking you, you know, what's, what's the goal? Where do you want to go? What's the vision? Let's maybe focus in on what it's like to go from a sole proprietorship to this amazing growth and a transform transformation of working for yourself by yourself to now you're a leader, a delegator and you're, and you're training, you know, what, what's that transition been like for you over these last couple of years? really hard. <laughs> um, really hard. It was a lot easier when I was still running the clients uh, and mm -hmm. got help, you know, because like when I was doing that, I just wasn't having to do the stuff that I really didn't want to do, but I had to do because it was just me. So that was an easy one um, for being able to delegate, but I still wanted my hands on everything and felt like I had to be there for it to be really successful. Um, as we've grown, I quickly realized I cannot be everywhere um, as much as I want to be. And being the control freak that I am, that was really, really hard for me. And I think I even made it more challenging for my clients because I would kind of come in at these moments and they would be confused. Who's leading me? <laughs> Is it Ashley? And they would kind of like give them a taste of like, I'd come in and swoop in and cause a whole bunch of disruption because, you know, I thought that everyone wanted me there. Uh, but really, it was just confusing. And they liked it when I was there, but then it would throw off the workflow of everything that was going on. So I realized that wasn't working. Um, and then, you know, transition to now, I actually had a conversation with one of my newest team members who took over. I, I'm officially now off of all client accounts, which is phenomenal. Wow. Um, Congrats, I guess. It yeah, no, it, it was really hard for me. I mean, I really had my, my teeth in with some of these and I just love them. And, yeah. you know, I was kind of doing them out of necessity. When you own a company, you step in when things, you know, need to happen. But I, my team member told me that last week she was like, actually, uh, you know, they haven't even asked about you for the last couple of meetings and asked if you're going to be here. And like, that is music to my ears because that just means that we've built up our team in a way that, you don't have to always have Ashley in there for, you know, the magic to happen and for, you know, everything to keep operating. And so it's taken me a while to, you know, force myself to back out, um, to allow my team to give them the space to run and to be really successful. I, I realized when I was like, kept coming in there, it didn't give them that autonomy to really own the client because right. they're like, well, when's Ashley going to come in here? Who's really running things? So I really kind of stepped back, but then I say even like mentally, something that's been hard for me is this level of guilt. You're still working, but it looks really different. So like, I'm not maybe doing the marketing work for our clients, but there's been this massive shift where like, I am now carrying the load of, you know, paying <laughs> these people and running a business and, you know, all of the things that come behind the scenes there of, you know, bringing in the clients, keeping the clients happy, making sure that we're, you know, always having plenty of, you know, money in the bank account so that we're hitting payroll. These are people's lives here that I'm responsible for now. And that alone, you know, it took me a while to be okay with the fact that like, I'm not busy with a bunch of little tasks, but I am, there's this new kind of load that's on my brain now um, that also carries a ton of weight. And I recognize the weight of that. And, you know, I'm starting to become okay with like actually having a little bit more time and like a little bit more, you know, space and breath. But, you know, at the same time, I'm also really happy to step in and help where needed. Literally last week, 
I jumped right back into, you know, my team was just slammed with a ton of stuff. And we had some massive presentations. We had a messaging and brand presentation, and then also a new strategy deck for a client. And like, I had the time, which was great, because I'm not in clients anymore. And so I jumped in and did that took that off of their plate, because I could. And it was massive help. And so I'm not above, you know, stepping in where I need to, but I now actually have a little bit more space to be able to do that. Um, which is really great. And I'm allowing myself to be okay with, you know, not being a part of the day to day and just having my days look different, I guess, took me a while to become okay with. I mean, it's amazing. You know, you, when you're starting out and and this is also, you know, my experience of none of this hits for you, you know, correct me, but you start out your small team, you're in the nitty gritty. Um, It's easier to communicate across fewer people um, you know, you have a vision, you're working on it, but you're just like knocking things out, right? You're just going more task, you know, based. And then you start growing or you experience this growth and you're trying to do both, right? You're trying to like provide vision and leadership and a higher level view, but you're also still trying to do the tasks and it gets really complicated to do both. You can do one of them and you feel confident about doing one of them, but it becomes really difficult to do both of them at the same time. And I think it's because it's like a switch on and off of, of your brain. Right. And then you hit a certain point, which I, what I'm hearing is you're at now where you've trained up the team, you've gotten yourself out of the more minutia, you're focusing on vision, you're focusing on leadership, you're focusing on the back end stuff that maybe you just couldn't really dive into for a period of time. And it sounds like you're, you're thriving in it. It sounds like you enjoy it. I always wondered if I would enjoy it because I do love kind of marketing strategy and working with clients. Um, But I do. I love being a leader and I love being someone that people want to follow and, you know, are inspired by. And this is like a weird comparison, but, you know, I'm also a fitness instructor. Like I, I like helping people and kind of moving things along. And I think that kind of shows that kind of leadership style that I've always just taken on. And so it's, to your point, when you're kind of doing both things, the tasks are the easy things. It's the stuff you know how to do. Being a leader and setting vision and setting, you know, organizational structure, like no one knows how to do that if you haven't done it yet. And so I would kind of avoid that and push that off and be like, oh, it's comfortable over here. And I would jump back into the, you know, the client day-to-day work. And and that's when I think I was causing more problems than, you know, good at that point. And, you know, so now that I can fully allow myself to be over here and recognize too, this is where my team wants me to be. I thought I was being Mm -hmm. helpful over here, but really they're like, we need someone to follow. We need someone to provide this structure because actually we're doing all this other stuff for you. Like, let us do that for you. And you guide it over here. And yes, it's been, it's been great. It's been a like you say, a challenging transition, but it's one that I think now that I fully allowed myself to accept, (laughs) it's become a lot better and it, you know, just looks different and doesn't mean it's better or worse. It's just different and I do enjoy it and I'm glad to be where I am now. This podcast is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, a private equity firm that provides individuals access to highly vetted commercial real estate investments. To learn more about Excelsior, head to excelsiorgp.com that's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-G-P dot com. That's awesome. I certainly resonate with it. Um, so we've talked about a broad, you know, different set of topics. Let's dive into the marketing here because I think it's important. Um, you and I had a lot of conversations years ago. I mean, I listened to the podcast with you and Brian that you recorded a few years back. You know, it's funny to look back. We didn't have a website when you joined uh, and started helping us out, uh, you know, the communication was a struggle. Uh, we learned together and via you, um, which is incredible to look back and just see the growth. Um, why startups for you? What What is it about startups that, you know, really resonates with your personality or the vision of ClearStart? You know, what what is it about the startup world that really gets you going? Kind of everything. Um, I think a lot of startup founders, I just relate to them in a lot of ways. They're equally as intense 
<laughs> as me, you have to be a little crazy to go out and, you know, start your own thing to raise a bunch of capital. You have to be able to convince people <laughs> of a lot of different things. And, you know, most everyone that I work with, I mean, they're setting out to do something really cool and needed in industries. And I think it's really neat that there's this world that people are going out and changing the world in a like cliche way. I was actually working on website copy and I had something around changing the world. And I was like, that sounds so cliche, but really it is that if you can become successful with what you're trying to do, you can change everything. Um, or at least something for someone, if it's a super niche, you know, audience, but you're trying to create something better at the end of the day. And I think that is just so cool. And I think that's why I care so much because we don't work with companies that I don't believe in their product. If I think that it is completely missing, it's not helpful, you know, or, you know, they're just out there to make a bunch of money, you know, that's not the right fit for us. I work with people that really care and want to make a difference and want to see this move forward. And so startups are kind of crazy. They're not kind of, they're crazy. Um, they move really quickly. Uh, but I really, really like that pace because it allows us to, you know, be able to bob and weave with them as well. I am someone that loves to work on a bunch of different things at once, try stuff, see how it works. If it doesn't work, bail, work on something else. And startups allow you that flexibility to be able to do that versus if we were working with larger companies, you know, you have to get approval by all these different departments and everything moves really, really slowly. Whereas with these companies, we make a decision and we go. Um, and done work, we bob and weave and we move on to something else. And I love being able to have that level of flexibility. I think it's something that's just important to, you know, like my personality and what fuels me. Um, so startups, I just, they're super fun. They're great. And you can create really, really cool networks of really smart people. Um, a lot of the founders that I've worked with, it's just really cool to see how my network has grown from them. A lot of them have actually been this maybe like second time founder. They've, you know, run a company before, exited, you know, this is now their next venture. And so I've learned a ton from these founders too. And I think that's what's they've helped me with my own company. And I'll, you know, talk through various things when I talk about team hiring, whatever it may be, we can kind of help each other, which is really neat. And, you know, I just don't think that I would ever get to work with the CEO of companies at this level. Um, if we were working with larger companies, you know, I'd be working with some sort of internal marketing someone that I may or may not agree with <laughs> on how they run things. Yeah. And I wouldn't have the autonomy that we need to just push things through and we can actually yeah, make I think a difference. I'd be, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't like a selfish aspect to the podcast, right? Like I am creating an opportunity to sit down with really successful people and experts in their field and just pick their brains. Mm -hmm. And you get to do that on a regular basis. It's, and it's really cool. I do want to touch on something because you said your clients, you know, had the opportunity to go out there and change the world. And I think back to one of, you know, the relation or the conversations that we had early on um, around content marketing. And we really just wanted to focus on being a resource for our network, right? Like there was no other hidden agenda or anything behind it. Like we just wanted to be a resource for, for folks specifically during COVID because mm -hmm. we had time on our hands. Maybe talk about that for a minute. You know, what it's like, what it's been like for you guys to be a resource for companies and then also, you know, how you can preach that and get that message across, you know, to founders and, and CEOs. No, 100%. I mean, especially right now with, how crowded, especially within kind of the capital raising, you know, syndication space, how crowded marketing is getting in there. No one wants to be sold to at the end of the day. And, you know, that was something that we understood early on with Excelsior. And, you know, like you said, we just wanted to be a resource for them. And the most successful content marketers are those that are putting out valuable resources that you just want to get in front of the right people. You don't have to just be selling yourself left and right. Like, here's my product. Here's my service. Here's the call to action to, you know, set up a call with me. That's what you see all the time. And people think that that's marketing. Really, you need to be getting eyes on the right people, have them trust you. And then it just becomes natural. 
that, you know, they're going to want to work with you because they respect you. They trust you. They understand that. And so, you know, quit leading with the sales pitch and lead with what value you can bring to them. And it will just go so much further and you're not going to turn people off. You're not going to be that sleazy salesperson. Um, and you'll get to grow too. And you get to create really fun content and it's a lot more interesting than like, here's a graphic for, you know, schedule a demo you know, with us and that no one's going to do, um, but create a really awesome blog or white paper or a webinar. And, you know, people come to those things because they also want to grow and you can be that valuable resource and create that community for people. Yeah. I mean, I'm no marketing expert, but I'm sure there are certain industries or certain products where, um, you know, leading with that sales pitch makes a lot of sense. Right. Uh, but in our world, I, Brian used to always say the best time to sell someone is when you don't have anything to sell. Um, and I think that was really important, you know, for us internally to focus on of like, you know, how can we build trust and create a relationship with this person or with people? And if it comes back to our benefit, great. And if it doesn't, great. We still built the relationship. We still have, uh, you know, someone that we can lean on and they can lean on us for other things outside of the business world. And, you know, at the end of the day, we all just want to live like fulfilled lives. If you're focusing on that, then it's, you know, the, the good is going to come back to you. I believe in karma in that way that mm-hmm. if you're trying to provide value, if you're trying to be a resource, then it's going to, it's going to come back to you in ways that you couldn't even imagine. And especially within B2B, which is pretty much all that we do, um, it's all relationship driven, you know, from the end of the day, if you're raising capital from accredited investors or, you know, you're selling a B2B SaaS platform in, you know, value-based healthcare, which we have a lot of healthcare companies being out of Nashville. Um, it's all about driving relationships, building those relationships, because, you know, unless someone is literally in that buying window and ready to move forward, they're still out there price shopping at this point, you know, if they're, you know, right. looking at you versus someone else, they're going to see what that, what features, you know, all of that. And you might win, you know, with that, or you might not. Um, and so if you can create that relationship much sooner when they do finally get into that buying window, uh, it's just such an easier sell. And you may, you may not be the most competitive price around, but they're going to want to work with you because of all the other value that you bring to the table beyond just you know, feature set or whatever it may be, services you provide, everything there. So I'm a, a full believer in relationships, building relationships, creating that because I've seen, I mean, I have literally never marketed Clear Start once. Um, this is my first year that I'm actually going to be, you know, trying to get stuff out there, but not even from the purpose of like really growing ClearStart, it's to grow my network and to grow, you know, the relationships that I have there. And I want to provide more value to people. I think I have a lot of really interesting things to share with people. And I want to leverage my platform as best as possible to help people move forward. Yeah. And I think that's a good segue into the next topic uh, in that you've never had to market yourself, right? Because you've built trust, you've built these relationships, and everything has kind of become word of mouth, which is amazing, right? That's like the dream. Um, but how difficult is it to focus on what you preach within your own business, right? So uh, the example that I gave you when we were you know, talking before the podcast, before we hit record was like a gym owner who loves health and fitness, but then all of a sudden he is running a gym or she is running a gym and it becomes really difficult for them to focus on their own personal health, even though that's what created the passion in them. Or, you know, a, a human resources recruiting firm that recruits for other companies, but then it becomes really difficult for them to recruit themselves and focus on their own internal human resources. You've not had to focus to that extent on the marketing to date. What's it been like in terms of trying to make sure that you're practicing what you preach on the marketing side of things? Um, the cobbler's shoes is real <laughs> and definitely, you know, we've experienced that and, you know, because I have been so lucky that we've been 100% referral based, I just really have neglected that side of things. But I've also seen that as we've been growing, I want to instill credibility and trust 
in who we are. Um, I even had an employee say, like when you had listed a job, you know, I went to ClearStart's LinkedIn and there was nothing on there. And I was like, is this even a real company? Is this a scam? Like, so even from an HR perspective, like there was just nothing out there. And so I do believe in practicing what you preach. You know, if we're telling people that they need to be investing in this and we, you know, are, I'm convincing founders to give up some, you know, early give up some precious money like early in their company because I fully believe that marketing is really important. I'm now finally doing the same thing. And, you know, one of the things I've had on my list is a rebrand that actually, you know, showcases who we are, really communicates the value of, you know, what we provide. We've grown so much. We've changed so much over the years. And I want to be sure that we're, you know, clearly communicating that. Um, It's been something in our asana that just like keeps getting pushed down under client tasks and, this is going to sound insane, but I actually ended up finally hiring another brand agency to do it for us. I was like, I need to be treated like a client. I'm overthinking this um, and I will continue to deprioritize this over our client work every single day and it'll never get done. So I'm actually working with a, a studio out of Nashville called Wizardly and they've been really wonderful. They've dealt with I think the pressure has to be really high because I clearly do this for a living. (laughs) And so, you know, and I'm also a control freak. And so they've been really kind and gracious with all of my feedback, all of the directions, but it's been so wonderful to be able to kind of just allow other professionals who are phenomenal at this as well. uh, Look at your company from an external perspective. So I'm I'm literally doing what we do for companies, uh, so I'm kind of practicing what we preach because I'm now paying for it myself. Um, and it's been phenomenal to be able to do that. And I'm going to have a new website, everything coming, new brand coming here. That's one of my goals for Q1 to get that live. Um, and yeah, actually going to be starting to implement, you know, regular content showcasing, you know, I heard this from someone there, like if you don't have anything going out on LinkedIn or your social channels, it means you're not in business. We're clearly in business. We're clearly operating. And, you know, I want that to come across as well. And, I, and once again, I want to provide like we, we're really smart and we have incredible people on our team that know a lot. And I think there's a lot of value that we can provide to people, not just in the work that we're doing for our clients every day. And I think we can still help people, you know, even those that aren't paying, you know, for our services. Let's see how far our reach can go to maybe this article, you know, change something uh, for a company that is struggling and doesn't have the budget to pay someone like us uh, to come in and do it for them. But this changed everything for them. Would love to be able to be that resource for someone. Yeah. And that's amazing. That's, that's incredible. An incredible point, I think, is that even when your role maybe progresses to more visionary, strategic leader, you're still in the nitty gritty every day and it can be very difficult to see the forest forest for the trees and you can bring in an outside perspective. I, I think that's incredible. I, I admire you for doing that. Um, I think that's awesome. So just wanted to start with that, but I th- we've talked about a lot of intangibles and I think I could talk about this stuff all day. I've always been passionate about these types of topics, but let's dive into the nitty gritty, finish it out with, the marketing side of things. What are you seeing? What trends? What's working? What's not? What is uh? What are we looking at these days? Quality over quantity. <laughs> I think that's one of the things that we have been focusing in on just internally as a company. We went through a phase where we were just churning a bunch of content out, and it sucked honestly like not sucked it was fine it was but it wasn't to the extent of like you were saying with excelsior we were wanting to just be a resource for people we wanted to provide value in people's lives and i think with the introduction of ai and everything you know people are just churning out content more than they ever have um and it's really shitty excuse me content that's going out there and you can you know we have clients now they'll send us over Hey, I just wrote this white paper and it like literally has like sections in there. They're like, insert a section on, you know, such and such topic. And it's like, you didn't write this white paper. <laughs> Chat GBT wrote this white paper. And these tools are phenomenal. I use them every single day. I will be very clear. But I think we've lost the art of creating really, really valuable content that speaks to people um, in this sea of just bot generated content that you know has been tweaked and changed across 
bunch of different things. So we've really changed a lot of our strategies to focus more on actually less content, um, but content that really moves the needle for people and is really valuable. And I'd say that's at least where us as a company being in the B2B space, we are really focusing um, internally. And then also I'd say one of the other areas that, you know, we're really looking to kind of crack is more so within the outbound side of things. How can we really be valuable? It has become so messy and cluttered. You get LinkedIn DMs all the time. You get cold emails all the time. You're getting these texts all the time. How can you cut through all this noise to really create an effective outbound campaign? Because at the end of the day, you still need to get in front of people. You know, you may not have a budget to bring in everyone organically or to bring in everyone, you know, through ads and you're going to have to go out. Um, <laughs> and so what does an effective strategy look like that isn't annoying, isn't something that's going to be, you know, just driving mess in people's inboxes, but actual value when it comes to outbound campaigns. So that's something that we're really diving into to figure out how do we effectively do that because um, it's necessary in the industries that we work in. So, yeah, I mean, I think AI has been incredibly intriguing, right? But over the course of the year or so, you're, you're already seeing a loss of authenticity which is a word that we used to focus on in our conversations. And I think mm -hmm. people are, are starving for that more than they ever have before, right? Um, which to some degree is the genesis of a podcast, right? Because even when you're trying not to, even when you're trying to focus on authenticity, a lot of the stuff that I write or put on social media, I still go back to ChatGPT to like either hone in or correct mm -hmm. me or maybe provide an outline. And it still comes through. But with a podcast, there, there's no AI involved in this whatsoever, other than maybe it telling me like, hey, you should probably edit this um, or pull that out. Uh, but it's just so much more authentic. And so I think the more that, and I, I talked about this with um, my last guest, Marcus Harris, on the insurance side of thing. No matter how good AI gets, we're all fearful of the jobs it could take away and the impact it could have people are still going to yearn for that human connection in some way, shape, or form. And so the more that you can focus on that, at least in my perspective, I think the the better long-term success that you're going to have. You're trying to grow a personal brand. You may not jump out as many to as many followers as quickly as you would like, but over the long term, you're going to create a voice. You're going to become um, a much better resource that we've already talked about, and you're going to see a lot more success in the future. 100%. It, it's funny, I laugh at one of my healthcare startups. This last year, you know, especially within the VC space, everyone kind of had to have AI to look attractive to investors, or at least they thought they did. And, you know, we started infusing that in our like messaging and everything. And then very quickly saw that everyone was doing that. And it's pretty hilarious, because one of our key differentiators now is that we have a human component <laughs> to what we offer in our services. And that is so appealing to these providers because they're having people selling them left and right saying in this particular instance, it's basically running, you know, patient medical records through AI to find, you know, risk codes, healthcare codes, things like that, risk adjustment. And all the other solutions are completely AI generated. There's no human, you know, checking everything. And so we found a way to do it with humans and AI that, you know, the combination of the two is where it really becomes magical. And people are like, okay, I have that assurance that a human is checking in because at the end of the day, the AI is never perfect. Um, you can't do what a human can do and use that logic. And so I just laugh because, you know, now having a human element is actually the attractive thing <laughs> and the differentiator yeah. these days versus everything is AI, AI, people are now looking at that almost as a negative in some ways. Uh, and, and I, like you say, I think people are just craving real human interactions again, um, which I'm happy about because I've never gotten away from that. And I don't think I ever will just because I love, I love humans and I love, you know, that engagement. Yeah. I, one of the podcasts that I listen to uh, always stresses that for every trend, there is a counter trend. Um, and so, you know, they were talking a few months back about you could track 
the success of a public company in terms of their stock price with how often they mentioned AI in their earnings calls. And so it makes me wonder if, you know, a year or so from now or at some point in the future, there's going to be a variation of the word human that is correlated <laughs> to that as well, right? The more human that a company, you know, mentioned more times a company mentions human, is that going to help their stock price? Is that going to be the counter trend? I don't know. It'll be something to watch. Um, but it's it's certainly true that people are are starving for human connection, and you know, COVID uh, COVID had an impact on that. Um, and I, you know, I, I just don't think it's going away. So here we are. But Ashley, um, what a great podcast! Uh, the longest one we've recorded yet. Uh, which is saying something. We could keep uh, chatting too. So <laughs> we could we could literally chat all day, but I can guarantee you that I have you on again. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and and cut it there. But thank you for the time. Thank you for your authenticity, and thank you for how much you care. Um, because it really sh- it really showed, and it's all, something I always really appreciated, and I'm certainly benefiting from it on the Excelsior side of things. Um, because. The Excelsior brand is due to you and me even doing this podcast is due to you. So thank you. No, I truly never thought I would see the day of you doing a podcast. It was like pulling teeth to get you on anything, but you're a natural and this was phenomenal. And I'm just, I'm very proud of you to see how far you've come and just really so happy to even had a small piece in y'all success. So thank you for having me. Thank you for that. And I've started it. Now I've just got to continue it. So TBD. Um, but where can folks find episodes. you if they want to get in? Yeah. There we go. I'm, I've got to get to 20. That's the goal right now. And then we'll see what happens. Um, where can folks find you if they want to get in touch? You can find us over at clearstartcreative.com, um, which it will have a new face uh, here in March. So depending on whenever you listen to this, we might have a new brand. We might not, but either way, I'm the same person um, behind the scenes and would love to chat with you. And like I said, just if you want any advice, resources, I'm here for that. If you're an early stage company looking for strategic marketing and you fully believe that you need that, um, we could be a partner for you once we open that wait list back up. So I know. I was, I was about to say, maybe I should have worded this with if folks want to get on the wait list, how... How can they get in touch with you? Um, but no, that's awesome. Um, the episode will actually be published uh, February 22nd. So good little segue into the new brand and we can't wait to to see it. So Ashley, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. So fun. Thank you.